From the second chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, saying, Men of Judea, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and give ear to my words. This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel, who said, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear friends in our Lord, it was Jean Rosenthal for the Broadway production of Richard III, and it was also Jean Rosenthal for Broadway's rendition of Caesar and Cleopatra. It was also Jean Rosenthal for Showboat and The King and I and Kiss Me Kate, and Othello and The Taming of the Shrew, West Side Story, The Sound of Music, The Odd Couple, Cabaret, and Fiddler on the Roof. Who's Jean Rosenthal? It's a good question. In fact, despite the popularity of all these Broadway classics I just recounted to you, my bet is that Jean Rosenthal is a name that few, if any, have heard before. Jean Rosenthal is considered and has been described as one of the pioneers and one of the greats of theatrical lighting design. Were it not for Jean Rosenthal and her lights, you'd only ever hear the sound of music. You'd never actually see Fairline Maria and Captain Von Trapp and their enchanting children make the hills come alive with that sound of music. Were it not for Jean Rosenthal, you would never see the famous choreographed street fights of West Side Story, those street fights of the Manhattan gangs between the Sharks, the Jets. Were it not for Gene Rosenthal, you might only ever hear neat and tidy Felix Unger snap after sloppy and unkempt Oscar Madison, but would never see this odd couple. You wouldn't see any of it because the stage would be dark were it not for Gene Rosenthal. If there's one day in the entire church year that highlights the person and the work of God, the Holy Spirit, this is it. The day of Pentecost. Fifty days after Easter, in the wake of the monumental events of Good Friday, Monday, Thursday, Easter Sunday, ten days after the church marks the ascension of our Lord, this day is known as the coming of the Holy Spirit. Considering it all, we would think, therefore, that this would be the day on which the spotlights are redirected, as it were, to cast our attention to this member of the Trinity, a member who has kept, it would seem, rather out of the limelight, making visible appearances only on very rare occasion. It would appear, wouldn't it, that today would be his day. But as we consider the events of Pentecost and the entire account from Acts Chapter 2, you heard half of it today, but as we consider the entire Pentecost account, it seems that the Holy Spirit says very little for such a big day. It's Peter, in fact, isn't it? Along with the others who do some preaching, but it's really Peter, in fact, who does most of the talking, and he's not talking about the Holy Spirit either. In fact, in his sermonic words that follow upon most of what we heard today, most of what we heard today was his sermon text for that day, 
recounting the, the prophet Joel and his prophecy of this pouring out of the Holy Spirit. But it's interesting to note in Peter's sermon, in the 20 verses that follow our text, in the 10 sentences of that sermon that are recorded for us no less than 16 times in 10 sentences, does Peter mention, either explicitly or by implied reference, Jesus Christ? The Holy Spirit in this sermon of Peter is mentioned but once. And there he's not even the subject of the sentence. Now does it sound at all odd to you? Does it seem perhaps as if the Holy Spirit here is not receiving his due recognition on this day of Pentecost? As if he's being short shrifted on this day that we call the coming of the Holy Spirit. I tell you this, and especially on this day of Pentecost, that it's not at all odd. Indeed, and in truth, the Holy Spirit would have it no other way. The Holy Spirit has been called by one theologian the shy member of the Trinity. Certainly not because he's bashful in any way, but... I think the phrase well indicates to us just where God the Holy Spirit prefers to be. It prefers to work. It's not out front. It's behind the scenes. It is, you see, His intention not to be the focus of our attention, but rather to focus our attention precisely where it needs to be. On Christ. And on Him crucified for us. And in this regard, I think the theatrical lighting of Jean Rosenthal really helps us to well understand the work of the Holy Spirit, like her lights, and her lighting that illumines the stage and directs one's attention to the main characters, to the unfolding plot, to their actions and the words that they speak, so the Holy Spirit points our eyes and our ears to that sacred stage upon which the life and the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ played out. He is the main character. And his work for our salvation is the plot of all time. But suppose this for a minute. Suppose that, that we were to look away from the stage, we were to redirect our gaze into that spotlight, that brilliant spotlight. What would that do for us? Any good? No good at all. A spotlight is not for looking into the spotlight's for shedding light upon. Its purpose is to illuminate the object to which it directs your attention. So it is with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit casts the bright beams of, of His light on that which otherwise would be completely in the dark. And let's not let ourselves be fooled here either. We certainly are by birth and nature in the dark when it comes to understanding the things of God and understanding the things of, of our salvation. St. Paul sheds light a bit on this when he writes, and by the Holy Spirit he writes it. He says, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. The man by birth and nature does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. He says, nor can he, literally in the Greek, it's nor is he even able to know them. For they're spiritually discerned. You see, your most earnest self-reflection, your most ardent introspection, your most mind-numbing meditation, whatever, 
It can't begin to enlighten the natural sinful mind of man. Paul says elsewhere in the scriptures, and speaking of this natural man, he says their understanding is darkened because of the blindness of their hearts. So you see, this is the core of the Holy Spirit's work. Our spiritual blindness, our recurring propensity toward it. And dear Christian, we can't for a minute imagine that our spiritual blindness, now having been baptized, has nothing more to do with you and me. And the propensity toward that spiritual blindness has nothing more to do with you and me. For really, is it, is it that easy for our adversary to, to, to put us off guard? To take us off guard and to convince us that we can see just fine, quite fine, thank you very much, the way that we are. And we really don't need the Holy Spirit's continued aid in making plain and clear the things of Scripture. No, but being blind and in the dark by birth and by nature and always inclining back toward it due to that old sinful nature that still clings to us in this life, we need the Holy Spirit ever to shine light on that which needs so to be seen. Pentecost. And the prominence therein of Christ crucified and and resurrected in Peter's preaching, these fulfill there that day in Peter's preaching, Christ and him crucified. These fulfill the promise that Christ Jesus made when he said to his disciples some 50 days before. Remember in the upper room he said this to them, I will send the helper to you. And when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own, but he will glorify me. Christ crucified. It's what Peter preached on Pentecost. He will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and he'll declare it to you. And you see, that's why the Holy Spirit is not in the limelight. It's because he is the limelight. The limelight that casts our attention upon Christ and makes us able to see and to know him for who he is. And so John begins to conclude his entire account of the gospel with these words given him by the Holy Spirit. And notice where the the attention is directed. Recounting all the things he just wrote, John said, These things are written that you may know that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. Martin Luther, even without once using the word light, I think he really captures the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit in pointing to the work of Jesus Christ. When he says this, he says, This is the office and the work of the Holy Spirit, to reveal through the gospel what great and glorious things God has done for us through Christ. Namely, that he has redeemed us from sin and death, from the devil's power. He has taken us into his grace and protection and has given himself utterly and entirely for us. And Luther indeed's got it right, doesn't he? Indeed, he's got it right. The Holy Spirit did not take on human flesh and lowly posture for you, but Christ Jesus did. The Holy Spirit didn't assume unto himself all of those sins of yours that that you'd so like to forget, the ones I of mine that I would like to forget. 
The ones that you, never, that you did forget. The ones that you think you never will forget. But Christ Jesus did take them all on. The Holy Spirit never did take every last one of those sins upon himself and offer up his own body and soul on the cross for you. But Christ Jesus did. The Holy Spirit was not the one who rose from the dead and therefore established for you every reason for hope, not only in this world, but certainly then in the world to come. It wasn't the Holy Spirit, but you know who it was that did. From the Father and by the Spirit it was Jesus Christ who was sent to do it. And who did it? And that's precisely what the Holy Spirit now makes known to us and brings to light. It says the 17th century theologian, Lutheran theologian, Johann Gerhardt, says he once noted, he said, the suffering and the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection would avail nothing. It would avail nothing if it were not made known to the world. For there is no advantage, he says, in a hidden treasure. Behind the scenes, and making it known. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Today, of course, is Mother's Day. And as we consider the way in which the Holy Spirit does operate, rather behind the scenes, it might just remind us of the behind the scenes devotion shown to us by many of our mothers through the years. Mothers perhaps staying up late or or waking up early to help procrastinators finish math assignments. Mothers devotedly rehearsing the lines to a school play so that someone else can shine on center stage. Mothers near anonymous in the stands at a ball game or at a track meet, but whose quiet presence there confers to her child athlete a bit of needed determination and courage. Mothers behind bedroom doors praying for her little ones. Or perhaps praying for those little ones now all grown up. Dear mothers, so often content to, and determined to love behind the scenes. Busy behind the scenes is where the Holy Spirit works too. It's where he still works. You see, maybe you hadn't even noticed it. But think about it. Do you believe that, as the Scripture says, Jesus is the Christ come for you to die on your behalf? Because if you do, then know for certain that the Holy Spirit has been at work in you and upon you. For He Himself says in the Scriptures, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Luther would affirm that. In words that many through the years have memorized, our contramans who will publicly confess their faith next week, words that they memorized from Luther's small catechism, Luther confirms that no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit when he says this, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel and enlightened me with his gifts and sanctified and kept me in the one true faith. That's how he does it, by the gospel and through sacramental gifts. And mind you, that's all, it's how he always does it. 
The Spirit never comes bare, unclothed. The Spirit always comes clothed in and wearing the gospel and the gifts of the sacraments. If to you the Holy Spirit has seemed somewhat elusive, then know this also for certain, that you've been looking in the wrong place. To you he won't be carried on gusts of wind, confirmed by flames of fire. To you he won't be couched in streams and surges of emotion. Expect no dove descents from him. For John the Baptist, a dove sighting, recall he he saw one, a dove sighting was just fine. For recall it was prearranged, wasn't it, by God? The Father told him, Upon whom you see the Spirit of God descending like a dove, this is whom who I sent, and it's your job to point him out to the world. And so for John the Baptist, a dove sighting was fine. For the disciples on Ascension's Mount, this endowment of Pentecost power from on high was just what they were told to expect. And it came as expected. But friends, for you and for me, He's bound himself to you in these things, his word and his sacraments. And so expect him there. You see, he loves you too much to make you look for him. He's told you where he will be found. And that's a comfort to us. Because when the mountains and the mainstays in life give way, Here in his word, in his sacraments, will he be. And when your days are turned all about by circumstances well beyond your control, here he will yet be. And when life's day has tossed you about so that it's hard to know up from down anymore, and uncertainty of things has become the most certain thing in your day, yet still here he will be. When you've turned your life upside down by what you've done, by what you've left undone, still right here, with all the fullness of Christ's forgiving embrace, yet still right here and always is where you encounter God the Holy Spirit who brings these gifts to you, who fixes your eyes and hearts on and in God, the Father's only Son, Jesus Christ. Pentecost. Pentecost. Perhaps you'd love to see a mini Pentecost every Sunday. The fact is, you do. Remember, it was not the wind or the fire that changed people's hearts that day. These only piqued curiosity was preaching. Peter and the others preaching Christ. That's what had the heart-changing, faith-creating, faith-sustaining, spirit-worked effect in 3,000 or so individual souls that day. The same spirit works the same effect through the same predictable things here in individual souls today. The Lord, the Holy Spirit, continues to do what he began to do that day of Pentecost. So my friends, look around and listen. 
Christ pours out the Spirit in what you now hear and see. The Holy Spirit, busy behind the scenes, that's how He works. That's where He works. And for you and for me, that's why He works. A blessed Pentecost to all in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.